2: of the dad so he got the this kind of a cool looking jacket at the time had all these different colors on it kind of when you walk by you couldn't miss this guy coat of many colors this my son look at him woo you know that kind of deal so finally the brothers had it up to here you know they couldn't stand it any longer so they concocted a way where they would take him down they were going to kill him put him in a big pit and one of the brothers uh, said no 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 let's not do that at least he didn't die took him and then they sold him to a caravan of of cameleers that would then take to a far distant country. And so this now favored son broke the heart of the dad because he wasn't there. At the same time, he's separated from his very family and he's in another place. And then he, at that time, was thrown into jail for something he didn't do. And all that being said, later on, it all came to head. And that guy by the name of Joseph looked back over at his brothers who were so fearful now because now... Joseph could inflict revenge, could return evil to them for the evil that they did to him. They now, he could now curse him because they hurt Joseph. In all of that, Joseph said those very profound words, and I hope you mark this down. He said this because this is the biblical way to look at it. You meant it to me for evil, brothers, but God meant it to me for good. And you know the real good is that through all of that, Joseph was raised up and with all the wisdom that he had, he was able to preserve life for millions of people and particularly his, only, his own family during that famine. So no matter what happened to evil, good still came from it. So now, whatever you're going through, by whomever enemy that you might have, I want you to rest in the promise and the life examples of Scripture that God says... They may have meant it to you for evil, but God meant it to you for good. And could it be that you are being tested or those of you yet will be tested to be able to see the real metal that you have inside of you as a Christian? So that would be out of our beautiful bouquet of flowers of love would be certainly to be kind to our enemies. Well, let's go to number 10. Love must show sympathy Here it says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. All right, That's pretty good. I can do that. Uh, It's hard to rejoice with my enemy. I get that. It's pretty good, easy to rejoice with my daughter who's marrying somebody that I like. It's exciting to rejoice in the fact that uh, we got a new car and we're taking our family around the island for a circle island in our new car. I get all of that. We rejoice with all of them. But it's hard sometimes to really rejoice with someone when we're jealous because of what they got, it's hard to rejoice with them. When we're envious of what they have, I find it for me it's easier to weep with those who weep, but it's hard for me to rejoice with those who rejoice. We kind of sometimes say, "Well, they're rejoicing, so they don't really need me. I don't need to be a part of that. That's okay. Let them rejoice on their own. I'm happy for them inside, but do they experience that you're on the same page? See." Rejoicing with them that rejoice. That's good that you do that. shows that your heart is right. That's, that's a good thing to do. But if they don't know that, then it's not drawing you closer together in a relationship, which this is all about. Remember, sovereign God speaking through Paul here to these people who will be scattered through persecution to do all that they could to be together emotionally and socially and spiritually to strengthen themselves so that they could be the salt and light to take the gospel globally at that time. And so when we rejoice, it's to really bring us together. So, someone has a graduation. We all ought to be there as a family. Adjust our schedule for our brothers and sisters. When someone gets an award at Awana, we ought to try to be there for that. They're not my kid, I know that. But they're your brother or sister in Christ. Maybe your little brother, little sister. But in Christ, they're part of your spiritual Ohana. Which, in fact, in many cases, you're going to be with them forever and not others forever. So I would hope that uh, we would rejoice with them who rejoice. But it says to weep with those that weep. How do we weep with those who weep? I don't know that it means that we have to bawl our eyes out because they're hurting. I think we ought to come across to them, whatever hurt when they're weeping, that they would understand that we are weeping with them. So whatever way that we can genuinely connect with them, so that they would understand that we are weeping with them, that's how much weeping we do, based on your personality, etc. Now let me take it up a notch. How do I do that? I want to weep with them. I'm sorry what they're going through. In that moment, I'd like you to, as much as possible, feel their pain, what they're going through. So you could weep with them who weep. You got that? Let me use an earthly illustration. Carol and I have got a, a great marriage. And you know that already. I I'm, I'm only saying that because I'm going to put up against those that have not been as fortunate to have that kind of marriage. And now you're separated. And now you'll tell me you're going through a divorce. And it's horrific in your life right now. You might say, well, Stan, how do you weep with someone like that? You've never gone through all of that kind of stuff. Absolutely right. I do not know what it's like to come home and see a note on the refrigerator. I don't know what it's like... To look in someone's phone and to see that there's some nefarious text going back and forth to someone and all, however, it comes out. I don't know that, but here's what I do know. As a human being, I know rejection, I know disloyalty in my life. I know when you pour your life into someone and you love them and you pray for them and you you, you rejoice with them, you, you do all that you could with them and then have them turn on you for something that's so minor. Or they won't spend the time to talk it out or to forgive or whatever and they kind of abandon you. And then they give you a cursory wave once in a while. I, I know what that's like. So yeah, it's not a marriage. I, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to sign papers of divorce. I don't, but I don't have to go through that. So whatever they're going through, I can feel what they're going through and the dilemma. And so you ask the Lord to say, Lord, I want to weep with them, so help me to feel their pain. And in some measure, you'll be able to get from the Spirit of God what you need to connect with them because it's all about relationships again. So we need to show that sympathy, not just have sympathy. Number 11, we must live with them in harmony. Here it says, be of the same mind toward one another. The Greek literally means think the same things toward each other. This does not mean total agreement though. It's like a symphony. Um, I, I, I love this little verse. It's, it's so powerful it's a, it's a sermon in itself and you want to go home I know but catch what I'm about to say you, you could be in a room where people are uh, here's an illustration I've gone to symphonies and I enjoy symphonies but when you get to the symphony, they're all kind of tuning up their instruments you know what I mean it's a cacophony of noise you, you, you don't, you don't even, ah, yeah. and then all of a sudden the maestro gets up there and then whoa it comes out in beautiful harmony I love that I I love listening to people sing a cappella when they're all in the right uh, bass and tenor and all that. It's beautiful when that happens. Now watch what I am saying. I'm saying that a bass doesn't sing the same way as a soprano will. They're different. But yet together, they bring in harmony. I've said this many times here, but we have guests, so listen carefully. When we're on a team, and we're having to make a decision on something, It is not important for me that everybody is in the center of the room. When it says here that we are to think the same things, it doesn't say think intensely in 100% agreement on the same things. What it does mean, on that which unites, we stay united. We stand together stronger on what we are united on than what we disagree on. So we need to get in the room. Now some people, they're going to jump right in the center of the room. Others are going to take a while and they kind of walk towards the center of the room and maybe they stop along the way because they just see things a little different through their gifting, their personality, their experiences, their abilities, their passions or whatever, but they're in the room. Then you have others that are outside looking in and they're throwing rocks at the people in the room. That's not what we want. And some will put their foot in, you know, like the hokey pokey. You know, one foot in, one foot out, in and out, in and out. For a while while they're processing that. But after a while, we've got to get in the room, even if we're hugging the walls. Because what's really important is, and then we have to find that foundational truth. And that's what he's talking about here. And how important it is for us to live in harmony with each other. So instruments, they're going to have different sounds. But together, there's a beautiful symphonic music that comes And that's when everybody gets in the room together. And that's what he's saying. And if you could only go back to the Roman church back then, you could imagine they had soldiers, rough and tough and hard to diaper guys. And then you had little slaves that barely could even think for themselves because all they had to do was, yes sir, no sir, what do you want me to do? They're just slaves. So they had no... You had ladies that were well educated through their system of mentoring. Then you had others that were perhaps farm girls that didn't have that opportunity to do so. And so they would approach things in their little assemblies from different perspectives, which is good because that's what makes stereo, surround sound, THX and all that. But at the same time, they need to get in the room and that which is most important. And I find sometimes that uh, it can take a while. But you don't want to have... you don't want to have anyone hold anybody else hostage either. So we want to think in terms of working together in harmony. Be of the same mind. And then it says one toward another. And if you really want me to get real technical about it, here's what I think it means. Watch this now. Very important. I think what's most important, it's in the context. Be of what mind toward one another? I believe what it's teaching in Romans chapter 12 specifically and probably all of the letter that he wrote, chapter 1 all the way through this part of chapter 12. So be of the same mind on these issues right there so far, probably through the rest of what he wrote in the letter. All right, let's go to number 12. Love must show humility. It's interesting how that little section is love must show humility. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with with the lowly. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Um, there was a preacher one time, his name was E. Stanley Jones, and he preached a lot on love. You can go get his sermons if you can online. He's gone, so you're not going to get him on YouTube. But get his sermons. A lot of it had to deal with love. He had a pastor come to him one time, a Christian leader, says, all you do is preach on love, and love, 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 love. He says, "I, I have a church, and I've been trying to do that, but it's basically splitting right now. It's fracturing right now. I've got people that are at odds with one another. What do I do? And E. Stanley Jones said this very simply. He said, just increase the dosage. I really like that. I think there are some doctors today that'll say, you know what? This this medicine will work, but I have to increase the dosage. And so I'd like to say these biblical principles of working with others will work. But maybe for some of us, we've been given a low dose of it. Maybe we need to take two aspirins instead of one. Now don't take the whole bottle. I'm not going there. But at the same time, this is what we do with one another. Crank up that. Realize they may need more, and be humble and give them a little bit more. I want to end by uh, talking about loving the irregular people in your life, and how do you respond to them? So let me read this passage and then uh, make a couple comments. I'm not going to outline it for you, because it just kind of says the same thing all the way through it, so there's not a lot of subpoints, so let's look at it. Remember the end was, "Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good." Then it says, "Never pay back evil for evil to anyone." That's how you overcome evil by don't keep it going. Stop the flow. End it right now. Some people have family feuds for years because you slap me, I slap you. You slap me, I slap you. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, month, month, year, 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 then finally you die and you're looking over the casket and you're grieving. It says respect what is right in the sight of all men. So that means have a moral compass, have a value system, believe what is right, you can stand on what is right because if it's biblically right, then others will either come with you or they'll catch up to you or maybe they'll walk away from you. But at the same time, respect what is right in the sight of all men. Do right. Then it says, if possible, and underline that phrase, so far as it depends on you, because sometimes it's not possible because some things don't depend on you. So if possible, as it depends on you, be at peace with all men so you carry the the olive branch. And make it a tree sometimes so you can peel off parts of that and give it to others. So as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Work to de-negative energize the conversation or the situation. Then it says, Never take your own revenge. Beloved. I wonder, why did he write the word beloved in there? I think what he's saying is, Never take your own revenge. And he says, oh, I better tell him I love him right now. I really love him right now. This is hard for them to take. I'm going to put more candy on top of the medicine. All right, never take your own revenge. But leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I like to say that vengeance is a right that you and I as a Christian do not have. Only God has the right to vengeance. Now, if you really look at it, now think with me for a moment. And don't be cutesy, but just think with me. If your enemy is really in need of their clock being cleaned or for them to wake up and smell the coffee, who do you think is a better entity to get their attention? You or God? Who do you think is? It's got to be God. So I want to release that person to God and get out of the way. I don't want to mess this thing up. Then it says, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, I, I like that. So in other words, let God do the venging part. You do the loving part. And let God take care of it. And then it says, for in so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Now some people think, yeah, that's the way to do it. Just dump it on your head. That's it. Give it to him. You love him. You kill him with kindness. And, and, and for a little while, I thought, yeah, that's what it means. Kill him with kindness. You know, do all this stuff. It's going to, you know, really cause a... No. Actually, if that was the case, then that's a, it's a fake vengeance It's a kind way to do your own vengeance on them. I'm going to put coals of fire on their head and I'm going to do these nice things. I don't think that's it at all. I think it's doing something very nice to them. Some people have different interpretations of it. Some of the greatest scholars debate on what it means. I'm resting in the area that when I do all of this, it's now doing something for them, of adding value to them and maybe either bringing them coals to their house or more literally, it's doing something that they're minding their conscience. Watch this. It's giving them an opportunity to de-energize their negativity because I've stopped returning evil for evil for them and now it's doing this work like a conviction of the spirit that I'm now burning with that conviction because of what's happening. So I don't do it to harm them or to give them a wake-up call. I'm doing this because I love them and perhaps by doing that they will then wake up and smell the coffee. And the last it says don't be uh, overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Well... If you've got people in your life, hurting people hurt people. So I want you to think now over that litany of people in your life that are, hurting, that are hurting you. Remember, they're hurting. And for just a moment, ask yourself, why are they doing this? Did I start this thing? Why are they doing that? Where have they come from? What causes them to do this? Is it they didn't have the privilege to be able to be under the sound teaching of God's Word? Is it could be that they don't know Christ as their Savior so they have no power in their life? Is it that they didn't really grow in the Lord? Is it because they've had some people come against them and frame them wrongly and so maybe now they're taking out all that garbage on everybody who's around them? So in a moment, you're saying, Lord, I'm going to return love to the unlovely in their life. Now when you do that, you are giving them the most beautiful bouquet of flowers on behalf of Jesus. And when you're done whether they take the flowers and throw them in the trash can or where they smell them, put them in a vase and show them off to everybody, that's their deal. Your deal is you did what you should and you could for the glory of God. And at the end of the day, you can't get any better than that. Let's pray, shall we? Let's take a moment now and communicate with the Lord in a very precious way. Perhaps right now what you'd like to do is to see yourself, this would be hard maybe, but see yourself as an enemy of God. If you haven't trusted Christ to save you, you are an enemy of God and through Christ who's the mediator, he will bring you to God so you can have eternal life and you won't be facing the judge you're going to be facing the giver of life. So you're an enemy and to stop that enemy relationship between you and God, Jesus Christ died and he rose again and by placing your faith alone in Christ, you no longer an enemy of God. So the very enemies in your life now have you in their life which would be a Christian, a Christ one, because you trusted Christ by faith alone. There are many of you that are already Christians. I get that. Scripture says that if we're a friend of the world, we're an enemy of God. And by being a friend of the world, it basically means by, by having a world view. That's how you're a friend of the world. You have, you're friendly with the world's view. And that way, you're an enemy of God. And perhaps a worldview is do unto others before they do unto you. If they hit you, you hit them back. So you want to stop being a friend of the view, and you want to now do it God's way knowing that you need God's power to forgive those enemies in your life. And for many of them, you're going to have to forgive them over and over and over again whether or not they ever ask you for forgiveness. You have to have a forgiving spirit around them if you can't judicially give them forgiveness. So whatever that is, you're going to now pour upon them not your love that you have to manufacture by thinking happy little thoughts that are definitely unsustainable that will only make you feel worse because you'll feel cheated if they come back at you and put that aside and say, I want God's thought and they can hit me anytime they want what I mean emotionally and socially because you know that you are a friend of God and that you're forever in his family now. And even if your friends abandon you or they are worse, become your enemies, don't worry. The Lord is forever strong. The Lord is forever with you. The Lord is forever loving you. So embrace the Lord and worship him. Is there anyone in here today that perhaps would like to place their faith in Jesus Christ that would say, I've, I've blown it on any of these areas. I have not done what I should. I'm a sinner. And I want Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Now, there's no good deed you do that will ever get you there, so don't make some promises with God that you're going to change this and start this and stop that in order to go to heaven. Jesus says, no good deed you do will ever get you into heaven. We're all sinners as filthy rags but he says you come to me just as you are and you place your faith alone in me as the one who died and rose again as the only lord and savior and he says i will forgive you of of all your sin i will come inside of you i will now give you the power the propensity and the reminder about these so you can now have a better life here and then an eternal life to come forever and if today's the day you're doing that, you might simply say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong, but the best I know how I'm placing my faith alone in Christ. And then in your heart of hearts, believe he's forgiven you. Because he has. And if you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. So I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, raising your hand or walking in an aisle or filling on a card or anything else like that is a human thing. So, you know, that can't get you to heaven. Me praying for you can't get you to heaven. But if you trusted Christ in here today, I want to pray for you. So if today's the day you're trusting Christ, would you let me pray for you? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, would you slip up your hand if today's the day you're trusting Christ? Would you do it right now? Anyone? Put it up, put it down. Okay, Christians, let me talk to you. How many of you would like to have prayer? Because this is the kind of life you want to live with everybody. Friends, family, associates, neighbors, whoever. Those are the ones that are close to you. Those are the ones that perhaps some um, unknowingly hurt you. Maybe some knowingly do that. But you want to live this new life in Christ. And you'd like to have prayer from this day forward. With every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. I don't need to know who we're with and I'm not going to come and bother you or anything like that. I'd like to just pray for you. I won't mention your name in my prayer. I won't describe the situation. I just want to unite with you in prayer. And I want to know where your heart is right now on these issues. So is there anyone in here today that would like me to pray for you at this time regarding these issues of finding another way, a biblical way, to love others in a way that would honor the Lord? Would you, would you like me to pray for you? Slip up your hand, put it down. Thank you. Many, many hands. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've reached out your hand of love to us and you did that, Father, when you reached it out on a cross and you died and forgave us of all sin. You completed the work for us on the cross. you come into our life, Father, through the Spirit of God and that you said you'll never leave us and that you will discipline us when we think wrong and talk wrong and walk wrong, so to speak. But it's not because you're mad at us or you want to be punitive with us. It's because you love us and you know that if you can get our attention certain ways, it brings us back to a life that'll be pleasing to you and, and we'll be so satisfied with you because of it and so lord we we thank you for that i pray for anyone in here that hasn't trusted you as savior yet that they would that they would do it very soon and they may not have any peace until they do trust you help this church as a individual but also as a body to be a very loving group i thank you father that we have been for so long And we certainly don't want to have a little fox come in and spoil any vines that are in here. So, Lord, we pray that you'll bless us all to be loving, genuinely loving with one another and to care for each other in a very special way. And then through that, help us to be strong, to reach out to the hurting, the disenfranchised, the lonely, frankly, those that have been beaten up by the world. Help us to extend that same hand of grace to them. Father, we pray this in your name. Amen.